Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, guys. On today's show, I interview Crystal from The Gentle Counselor about her two hospital births. Crystal went into her first birth armed with the knowledge gained from a calm birth course. Although feeling deflated by prolonged pre-labor, she went on to have the ideal water birth she desired. Her second birth was met with the same prolonged pre-labor, and although there were elements of intervention and trauma, with the support and guidance of her fantastic midwife, she went on to have an empowering birth. Enjoy this episode, guys. Hi, Crystal. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Sky. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on your podcast today. Do you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I live on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia, Mm -hmm. and I am married and I have two little ones who are two and five years old at the moment. And I work as a counsellor and my business is called The Gentle Counsellor. So it started off being an online based business um, and I still do that now. So I provide online resources to support the mental health and well-being of parents and children Mm -hmm. and I provide a lot of information on places like Instagram and I have courses and ebooks and a membership for mums called Gentle Motherhood where we do a bit more support on healing and parenting journeys and I have my counselling practice where I see uh, people for counselling whether individual or couple or child and I do that online and in person on the Gold Coast as well so yeah I do a little bit of everything I have a background in education and psychology and yeah I just really enjoy helping others yeah nice and were your pregnancies planned yes yes both of them were planned yeah to it to the t it was like the minute we decide to get pregnant we did so we're one of those annoying people that actually did have a hard time Amazing. and I'm actually really surprised we've never had a surprise pregnancy to be honest <laughs> um Yeah, so my first pregnancy was with my daughter, who's five now, Mm -hmm. and it was amazing. I loved it. I loved being pregnant, even though every time I bring it up, my husband thinks he remembers it very differently. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I'm sure that was just hormone and mood related, but I enjoyed <laughs> being pregnant. <laughs> I especially liked like how I looked. Um, and I had a lot of stress going on in my life at that time due to work because there was an issue with being a contract teacher. If anyone is listening who's a contract teacher, they probably know um, that it can be quite tricky when you are pregnant Okay. Um, and keeping your work. So I kind of was going through a stressful time during that. Um, so I was home a lot during the end of the pregnancy, which was actually quite a blessing in disguise, I suppose, to be able to relax and sort of get the house and things ready. Um, and I was 41, no, sorry, 40 and five days and went into labor. Um, I had a very long three day labor. Okay. So we ended up going to the hospital twice because this was my first. So I really had no idea. We were just kind of going with the flow. And what model of care had you chosen? We went with private because at the time we were able to afford private. Yep insurance. <laughs> um, so we had her down at John Flynn down in Chugan mm-hmm. and it was great. Actually, it was a really lovely experience there. I, I especially liked having like the five days in hospital that seemed to really help us at that time. Um, so I had a lot of people around me telling me that I was going to go early or telling me that was going to be really quick. So it was an extra surprise to me that it took so long, I guess. I just didn't even know that was a thing to have a longer labor. Yeah. Okay. And had you done any classes or read any books leading up to your birth? Yeah, we actually did the calm birth course and I'm so grateful that I did because we absolutely loved the experience that we had. The facilitator was absolutely amazing. And I think it's one of the reasons why I had such an amazing first birth, to be honest. Um, so my birth plan was basically to have a water birth which is a big reason why we chose our hospital because we knew that they had the water birth features there I think this was before the Gold Coast uh, public hospital had the birthing features or they were being renovated or something so at that time this just seemed like the best option for us and ultimately it was kind of like as long as mum and baby are fine don't touch them amazing and my husband was really supportive in that we talked a lot about it but I think that helped a lot having that course because doing the calm birth course like essentially forced us to have those conversations. So it was great to be on the same page with a lot of those kind of things. And, you know, we wanted to do delayed cord clamping, immediate skin to skin, like all those amazing things that we know are super beneficial um, for bonding time. And, you know, breastfeeding and things were really important to me as well. So, yeah, so I had three days of labor. So when my contractions started, it was kind of, um, like, you know, that more intense period cramping. And I just instinctually knew that that was labor starting. I think my husband and I were watching a movie. So it was at like maybe 10 o'clock at night and I didn't want to say anything to him yet. Cause I felt it and I was like, okay. And then 10 minutes later felt it again. And then it kept happening for about 10 minutes. And then I decided to tell him and I was like, you need to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Cause of course it happens at 10 o'clock at night when you, you know, yeah. like all day. <laughs> And I was so excited. I, it was so hard to fall asleep. I was too yes, excited. Yes, I was the same. Because I thought, oh, in 12 hours, I'm going to be holding a baby. People <laughs> tell you that. Yeah, so true. <laughs> oh, goodness. So then the next day came and we realized, okay, no baby. And I had given up on tracking contractions because it was all over the place. It was like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, they'd disappear. They'd come back three minutes, five minutes. 
Um, nothing super intense, in, like intense, just like really full on yeah. period cramp pain, I guess. Um, and then a few very rare times where it felt a bit more intense. So I was basically living on the exercise ball, bouncing and swinging my hips around and doing some of the things that we had learned about in class. And then my mother-in-law came over to hang out for a bit. Um, and we went for a walk because, you know, apparently walking is meant to help and just nothing, nothing like in hindsight, nothing was helping. (laughs) If anything, I was just tiring myself out more. And so basically I was having to go to the hospital because we called them and they ended up calling us back and they were like, why aren't you here? Like you told us (laughs) you were starting labor. So they were like, come in for some monitoring. And I didn't really care either way but I was pretty tired and starting to get irritated at that point so we went in and they checked us and they told me I wasn't in labor so that was a really fun thing to hear oh, no. <laughs> because I was having a bit more pain at that point and I was like what do you mean I'm not in labor and they didn't even give me any other explanation so we came home and then I guess that's when things kind of amped up a bit so this was still like the second going into the third day. So that night was really rough. I basically was trying to find any which way I could lay in the room. I ended up being like on the floor because for some reason the hard floor felt nicer than being in our soft bed, I guess. And I would sleep with like one leg propped up on the bed. So I'm like on the floor and I don't know. (laughs) I was really trying to tune into my body and just listen to what felt good and the contractions kept waking me up so I would kind of pass out I guess essentially from being tired and fall asleep and then wake up for a contraction and then I think I woke my husband up and or I think he might have been in his office actually because it was three days it's kind of hard to differentiate which was which day yeah But I got to the point where I said to him, I'm over this, like we need to go. And looking back now, that was me in transition because of course, when you're in transition is when you're like fed up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we got in the car and I was in the back seat. So not even strapped in because by then it was like full on. And afterwards, my husband told me that he was watching the clock and it was like, bang on three minutes and then it was like bang on two minutes and he's like okay we need to get to the hospital really fast he kept it really cool and collected we were playing our calm like baby music in the car which was really lovely so we got to the hospital and it must have been about like one or two in the morning or something by that stage and thankfully they had already started filling up the bath for us and as soon as I walked in And we went through the emergency room because it was like late at night. They had to like let you in and press the button. So the guy pressed the button. I stopped because I had a huge contraction. The doors closed. My husband and I laughed and we asked the guy to open the doors for us again. (laughs) So then we walked in. So I was in good spirits at least because I still had in my mind that I wasn't in labor because that's what they told me. Yeah. So I think I was still trying to put on like a brave face because I'm someone that has a high pain threshold and I also funnily enough don't like having attention on me anyway like I don't like being seen to be as weak or whatever you know we could psychology that to no end yeah (laughs) so I got up and the first thing they said to me was what drugs do you want 
and my I couldn't speak by this point because I was really like inward and focused Mm -hmm. and my husband kind of scoffed and he was like um nothing like we want a water birth we don't want anything and I remember the midwife's face was like shocked (laughs) like she it's as if no one had ever said that before yeah wow and there was also a student midwife there too so I hopped in the bath and I was like fully in the zone I was really tuned into my body I was doing like the deep breathing where I could I was remembering I guess all the training from calm birth so I felt really good and weirdly my contraction pain wasn't that bad I had it like in my hips, not in my stomach. It was really weird. So the baby must have been on a nerve somewhere or something because, yeah, it was actually quite bearable, which was nice. So I had my water birth. I think I was in there for not even an hour and I basically just was like full primal. (laughs) I made noises that I never knew I could make (laughs) and it was just like that real low and deep primal noise Um, and I could – feel my body working the way it was supposed to be like I could feel my body and my belly tensing and the contractions working that way to push my baby out so I really didn't have a moment where I thought oh I need to push but I had moments where I realized I wanted to ask for water or something and I couldn't even talk to anyone and I was like trying to telepathically communicate to my husband And I think I managed to just blurt out water at one point and thankfully he just like picked up on it straight away. But the midwife kept trying to talk to me and that was kind of irritating. I just wanted to be left alone and I just ignored her. I'm never rude to people and I felt like, oh, I didn't even care in that moment. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so my daughter was born almost um, on call, you know, when, you're, when they're still in the... Uh placenta yeah Yeah. so it's very interesting because I didn't really know this until after because what I didn't know was that the student midwife was doing amazing and she was taking photos on my phone for us I can't remember if she offered and my husband said yes but I was so grateful that we had her there doing that because I remember my husband just kind of being at my side the whole time Mm. because this was his first time too we both had no idea what was happening yeah and for him, that was the first time he'd ever seen me going through anything like that and being in, in pain or making those noises, you know. Um, but, yeah, when in the photos afterwards, you could see, like, this tiny little bulge happening. So that was kind of cool. So this whole time my water hadn't broken. And it wasn't until I was in the water and I had moved from, like, the front to my back because, weirdly enough, that felt nicer kind of floating in the water. Then as soon as I felt that... Uh, ring of fire moment that everyone talks about and I felt that pop sensation of the water and then my daughter just like came out in the next push and I remember the midwife kind of telling me to open my eyes and look because I had my eyes closed the whole time because like I said I was like fully entranced in the moment which was great Mm -hmm. and I finally like put my hands down and I grabbed my daughter and I pulled her out of the water and onto my chest Mm. and it was just absolutely amazing. Like I will never forget that wonderful feeling when your baby is finally there in your arms Mm. and it was just, it was just everything I wanted. And then about two minutes later, then my doctor walked in because that's how quickly everything happened. So I 
essentially birthed her on my own mm. with the supervision of the midwives and my OB wasn't even there. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and how did that make you feel in that moment? I felt like super empowered. I yeah. just couldn't em- believe that I had done it because I was still kind of surrounded by people talking about like C-sections and needing to have epidurals and needing to have the gas and like all the things that you're supposed to have when you're in hospital, having a hospital birth. And I just desperately didn't want that. I wanted the water birth because to me that just made sense. Like I'm a, if you want to get into astrology, like I'm a Pisces. So I naturally seek out comfort in water anyway. Mm -hmm. And the calm birth course just spoke to me so much. And I just, watched so many videos on YouTube before I went to labor of people having home births or natural births or whatever you want to call it, water births. Um, there was that video of the lady birthing in a creek. There was someone I watched birthing literally in their living room. And I just thought, you know what, if they can do it, so can I. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm glad I did that. It kind of like desensitized me watching those videos. But yeah, I think just the experience in itself was really great because I have, I had wanted children for so long. Like I had desperately for years since I was like 19, basically had that cluckiness of wanting children. So for me having my daughter, it just all kind of seemed to fall into place. It was like that missing piece that I had always wanted, I guess. And I was just grateful to have that experience because so many people like to tell you that you're not going to have that when you share with them your birth plan. Like you, especially when it's something like being unmedicated and a water birth, everyone around me was basically telling me that wasn't going to happen and I needed to have my backup plan. But I was just like really stubborn and set in my ways. And I was like, this is going to happen because I want it. Yeah. Good on you. (laughs) Um, So I'm glad that it worked out for me. Yeah, absolutely. And when you decided to go back for baby number two, was there anything that you did differently this time around? So the biggest difference, I guess, was that we didn't have the finances to have that private health insurance. So we went the public route with my second, but still the same goal of having the water birth. Yeah. But I kind of knew in my mind that's probably not going to happen. Like statistically speaking, I was like, I had it so good with my first. (laughs) I really wonder what's going to happen with my second, but Mm -hmm. I still um, was positive about it, I guess. Yeah. But I also had a lot of people telling me that my labor would be much faster with my second. So in my mind, I thought, oh, okay, now I'll finally have that 12 hour labor because you know, that three day labor really did suck, but that didn't happen. So now I know my body is a three-day laborer, yeah. as torturous as that is. And so what ended up happening was I just got into a bad mood and we didn't do anything like the calm birth class again because we thought we had done it once. We didn't need it. In hindsight, I actually do wish that we just had done it again anyway. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I ended up being in a, in a bad mood because I was just annoyed that my body – was putting me through another three-day labor and I had a really hard time with that I know I'm making jokes about it but I was really like annoyed especially because everyone around me told me it was going to be faster and you know you listen to people around you with things like that and you think it makes sense and I had a toddler so I was already exhausted I didn't have the privilege I guess like I did with my first where I was able to just kind of laze around the house and do whatever I wanted when I was in labor the first time yeah so it was a bit trickier to manage the second time around and 
we still had the same thing where we went to the hospital twice, okay. um, really similar to the first time uh, with them telling us to come back in. But it was different in the sense that I knew they were going to try to induce me. Mm-hmm. And I just really didn't want that. I was so scared of having a C-section. It still is like one of my biggest fears. I th- I've really psyched myself out with the idea of the surgery part of it, of like being cut into. I'm mm-hmm. For some reason, I'm really freaked out by that whole idea and I'm absolutely amazed to anyone that goes through a C-section because it absolutely terrifies me. Yeah. And I know it shouldn't, but just for some reason it it worries me. It should. I mean, that's a rational fear. It's it's major abdominal surgery, so you have grounds for feeling that way. Mm. And with both of my my babies, I was told that they were um, big babies. So I was told my daughter, my first one was a big baby and she ended up being quite small. She was like seven pounds, I think. And I had to actually put her in preemie sized onesies for a little bit. But then with my son, I was told that he was average and my son ended up actually being a big baby. He was about nine pounds, I think. So he didn't even fit in the onesies (laughs) that I had to the hospital because I was expecting to have another small baby. So I've had both ends of the scale, which is really wild as well. But um, so with my son, my experience was different because my labor started with my waters breaking when I was in bed. Mm -hmm. I just kind of woke up in my sleep and I just knew And I kind of quickly tried to sit up and I felt that pop and I felt the trickle and I went, oh my gosh, my water's broke. This hasn't happened before. And because of that, I wasn't allowed to have the water birth because of what they tell you about the risk of infection and things like that. So that's, that was my first interruption, I guess, to having the birth that I wanted Mm -hmm. was that my water's broke and I wasn't prepared for what did an unmedicated birth look like without a water birth? (laughs) I I just hadn't bothered, I guess, looking into that because I just assumed it would be very similar. Or I guess I wasn't educated on how you wouldn't be allowed to have a water birth if your water's broke. So yeah, that was just something that I guess I just wasn't aware of and that kind of interrupted it a bit. But it was very similar in the whole three-day labor. But because my waters had broke, they wanted me to come in much sooner to be monitored and checked because there's risk of infection and other things that can happen. And with my son, I was 41 weeks, like right on the dot. So that was, I guess, to the hospital, another thing as well. Even though for me, I knew based on my first pregnancy and and this one that I just go later in my pregnancies and I'm also a long laborer, Mm -hmm. but they weren't really listening to me at the hospital when I was explaining to them how I had the three-day labor with my first and how for me, this is actually normal. But I had an amazing midwife that was kind of doing the pre-questions, I guess, with you when you go in. Because I wasn't really in labor, then I wasn't really having contractions. It was just that my water had broken. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to ask her if I was allowed to go home and labor at home because I didn't want to be at the hospital. Because that's not really a nice environment to be in, especially if you're wanting to not have a medicated birth. Mm -hmm. And she was trying to very stealthily basically tell me like go home because if you stay here you're going to be induced so I was having to like read through the lines of what she was telling me and she would maybe like say no but she'd be like nodding her head or something like that <laughs> That's awesome. so I was so grateful that I had come across someone like that that was listening to me yeah. and like verbally giving her answer she was supposed to give but then at the same time kind of communicating to me what what 
she thought, I guess, in her opinion, because they can't give you their opinion. Good on her. So, yeah, we went back home and I tried to do more. So I thought, oh, maybe I need to do more stuff to get the baby out because I didn't do enough with my first. (laughs) (laughs) So then I was doing more walks. I was doing more movements and I was essentially just exhausting myself. I wish I could go back in time and tell myself to just lay down in bed and, and just chill and watch Netflix or something. Mm. It got to the point where on that second day, because I had had no sleep, plus I had a toddler who had also started waking up towards the end of my pregnancy anyway, I was exhausted, bad mood. And so we just went to the hospital at night and they did a check because they wanted to check if I even had any fluid left in me to make sure that that the baby was okay. That was my son. Um, and they checked and there wasn't really much in there. And that's also when I learned about how you have multiple areas of your waters. Like I didn't realize there was like the front and the back and all that. So it was then that they knew, I guess that I was a resistant person, I guess. And I was resisting everything they wanted to do the whole time. And so they were very shocked and surprised when I said to them, yes, let's go for the induction. Like I'm over this. Mm -hmm. I remember the look on their faces. Like, I think they assumed I was still going to say no. And they were like, oh, okay. And so, you know, they got me all set up with that, with the, yeah, the IV. And so we did that. Um, And I had to have fluids and I had to have the antibiotics because of the risk of infection. So I was just hooked up to everything. And to be honest, that was the worst part of my labor was having that annoying needle in my hand like near where my thumb was and it was so painful and so uncomfortable (laughs) that was the worst part of my labor (laughs) experience to be honest I really hated that um that was not pleasant at all yeah especially when you birth your baby and you try to hold them and you've still got that thing in your hand it's like so uncomfortable so true so I ended up um having a male midwife which was actually amazing like he was just everything I needed in that moment. It's funny how the universe kind of brings you the people that you need right then and there. Mm. And he was extremely supportive. Um, He was still listening to me and listening to me, not wanting to be induced though. And listening to me tell him that I was terrified of it ending in a C-section. And he was like, look at me, you are not having a (laughs) C-section. Like he was giving me all the comfort that I needed. He was absolutely amazing. And so I was laboring in the room still because he had helped me kind of push back the induction like an hour. And then they'd come back to him and he would say, give us another hour. So he was a really great advocate for me when I was at that point of giving up. Mm. So I'm so grateful for that. And there was one point where I was on the bed and I started moaning So we thought that I was transitioning, but then I was also crying because I was so exhausted. And that's when my husband and I kind of had a chat because by then I had absolutely broken down in tears. And we remembered our whole thing of, we always said if mum and baby were okay to leave them alone. But then he was like, babe, you're not okay. And then I was like crying more and I was like, I'm not okay. (laughs) I'm even getting teary just remembering it now. And Um, even though they had given me so much grief about not being allowed to have the water birth because of risk of infection and things like that, the traumatic part of this labor was actually when a doctor came in 
and told me to lay on my back. And I was very adamant that I did not want to lay on my back. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. Like, it wasn't consensual, you know, but I obviously laid on my back because I didn't really know what else to do in that moment, you know, when you're in a hospital. I've been learning a lot more about that recently, actually, yeah. about how messed up it is in the medical system, how you're not actually consenting to a lot of what they're telling you to do. And so I was still writhing in pain with these contractions I was having because like I mentioned, we thought I was in like that transitional period. And so she put, like she checked me internally, but it was not gentle. It felt very uncomfortable. And I was basically squeezing my husband's hand and like screaming out in pain. Mm. Um, because I guess I just wanted to check how far I was. And then she declared that I was four centimeters. So of course that's not something you want to hear either when you've been laboring for so long and you see everyone's face in the room kind of drop, realizing that you're not transitioning. But at the same time, everyone gave this doctor a look of, you should not have done that. Oh wow! So that she actually came back and apologized to me for that. Um, So she knew that she had actually messed up Mm. and had caused that part of trauma in my second birth experience. Mm. So that was interesting to go through. And so because all that happened and my amazing midwife that I had, he was like giving me a lot of comfort because I'm like crying, obviously. Mm. And we talked about it and he tried to ease my mind a bit. And he was like, I, cause I said to him, I was like, please give me your opinion. Like, what should I do? And he was like, I think it is a good idea that you need some rest. So the epidural, and I was like, let's do it. Yeah. And so I got the epidural and the guy that did it, I swear, like he needs an award. It was a hundred percent top notch, best thing of my life I've ever (laughs) experienced. It instantly took like all the pain away and I was able to calm down and have a bit of a rest. Yeah. And that was really nice. I felt so good when that happened. Like I realized in that moment for my situation there, that was actually the right choice for me. Mm-hmm. Even though I was so adamant about not having any intervention, we just realized like I wasn't okay and I needed that to calm down, to rest and things like that. So I'm grateful for experiencing that, like the other side of it, yeah. which is nice because most of the time women just get told they take the easy route. Yeah if they have any intervention. So it was good to kind of experience that myself and see, oh, for some people it's because of this. Mm. And funnily enough though, I don't know if it's because my body relaxed and I relaxed or if it's because I hit that three day mark, but I only got to rest for about 20 or 30 minutes. And then I was pushing my son out. So when I look back, I think that I didn't maybe need it. Maybe I was in transition and maybe I go from like a four to a 10 in the span of one hour. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I also think about my first. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the doctor also could have got it wrong. True. You know? Mm. Yes. That's a very good point. So you ended up pushing him out? So that was actually great. And I will always go on about the male midwife I had because honestly, it's because of him that I had such a great experience. Like I had my husband there supporting me and I actually also had my sister and my friend who is a photographer. So she was taking the photos of the birth. So I had a lot of people around me giving me a lot of love and support, which was 
great. And I think that was even better that I had it for that second birth. And I got to hold a mirror or actually my husband ended up holding the mirror. So I actually got to like fully be present and witness the birth of my son. And that was really cool. So my midwife guided my hand, you know, down to touch his head and you just lose any sense of not dignity, but you just like, don't care. You're like, Mm -hmm. I'm fully nude out here touching my baby's head coming out of my vagina and <laughs> literally looking at it with a mirror. And I was like, amazing. This is great. Loving this. <laughs> so so it was actually ended up turning around to be a great experience for that. And awesome. so, yeah, I still pushed him out. It was interesting because I had to then learn how to like hold your breath and push him out because I had the epidural. It wasn't like my first where I didn't have to do anything. She just kind of came out mm-hmm. So that was really cool to experience. Yeah. And I didn't have any tears. So because I was so fearful of being on my back. And I remember um, trying to use my legs to kind of prop up my pelvis so that I wasn't flattening it because I knew that like, you know, if you flatten it, that is where the complications come in from having an epidural as well. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I was trying to like position my leg up on one of the, you know, holder things, whatever they're called in the bed. So I think that my midwife was really good at listening to me and listening to my fears and then going, okay, let's do this. But also I realized, oh, I do know something. Like I knew I must have listened or heard someone say something and knew what to do to help myself in that moment as well. So it it ends up turning around to still be a wonderful, beautiful experience, you know, grabbing my son, pulling him up to my chest. And then my midwife showed me my placenta. So I got to enjoy that. I actually have a really cool photo of him holding up the placenta and it looks like really dramatic, (laughs) but it's really cool to have a photo of that. Awesome. Did you do anything special with it? No, I still didn't get around to um, whether I wanted to do the capsules or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still don't know what I would like to do if we have another. But I definitely like the ideas that I see, especially um, when people do the artwork and they kind of take a print of it. I actually think that's really yeah, beautiful. Yeah, me too. Love that. Yeah. Or when they do the love heart with the cord or something like that. I think I would like to do something a bit more creative, I guess, like that. Yeah. Because that seems really cool. Is there anything you would do differently for your third birth? I think a thousand percent I'll be hiring a doula. Mm -hmm. Not only for my birth, because I am assuming it's again going to be a long labor. I really wish I could be brave enough to have a home birth. I'm still trying to like educate and psych myself up because I think that would be really amazing to experience. Yeah. And because I have my two kids, like, I think that'd be really cool for them to witness as well. Um, but I will still always have the goal of a water birth anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'm not too worried about the medical system only because now I know, like now I know how my body works. Now I feel a bit more assertive and confident in how to speak up for myself, or at least I know I can equip my husband and he is actually very good at being assertive and speaking up to people. So I know to utilize that more, but I just think a doula would be really good for helping me with any positions, even if it's resting positions, because I just feel like I don't know enough of that. So I would actually really like to do the hypnobirthing course. Next time I have two friends um, that are hypnobirth practitioners and from seeing how they work and what they do, I think that would 
be really great for me to go through because they do a lot of that positional work too. Mm -hmm. And also having the doula for postpartum. So I didn't realize how we put in so much effort into planning for the baby and the birth plan and all the things. And then we forget about the most important part, (laughs) which is support for when the baby's here and when you are birthed into that, you know, new mother role as well, or that newborn face mother. So I'm definitely going to have a plan. So more so a postpartum plan around that, I think. Sounds like a good plan. And what is your key piece of advice for any expectant mums out there? I think as cliche as it is, it's to kind of tap into your own power Mm -hmm. and your own instincts and that kind of inner wisdom that women have like our bodies know what they're doing like it doesn't make sense that your body would give you a baby that's too big to birth out for example Mm. that doesn't make sense and I think we need to stop looking at things like a checklist yeah like how you and I have talked about the 12-hour labor so as much as it's wonderful and everyone wants to share their birth story and tell you, you still have to kind of separate and step back and just know that your baby and your body are going to choose, I guess, your own journey with that. Yeah. But at the same time, I think, yes, like get as much information as you can. Watch actual birthing videos like on YouTube, not TV shows (laughs) because those are really unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think definitely doing some sort of a course like a calm birth or hypnobirth. um, I think those are like really beneficial. And then you're meeting people that are really like-minded as well in those groups. Mm -hmm. And then you have someone you can go to for support and ask those questions. And I think we just forget how important community is, especially with things like your birthing experience. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, and postpartum plan, not just the birth plan. Yes. (laughs) Now, you actually offer a Gentle Motherhood membership. Yes. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that? So Gentle Motherhood is an online monthly membership for mums that are either wanting to parent differently or they're recognising that some of their perhaps childhood trauma or other things going on for them are triggering them and they're having a really hard time being that calm or gentle parent that they want to be. And so it kind of combines both those worlds of, yes, we need to meet the needs of our child, but we also need to meet our own needs. Mm -hmm. And so each month we do a unit on a new topic, which could be talking about inner child healing. It could be talking about self-love. I talk a lot about the attachment styles and learning how to have a secure attachment, not just for your children, but for yourselves and for your relationship. And we do a lot of work around multiple topics like that. And we do a monthly coaching call where we get to chat and you can ask your questions. And that's always really lovely to do as well. Yeah. Yeah, It's just something that I wish I had access to, I guess, as well. And I just recognize that it's just missing Mums are so quick to put themselves at the bottom of the list. We are, aren't we? I'll share all of your details in the show notes for anyone that's interested. Thank you so much, Crystal, for coming on today and sharing your birth stories with us. It's been so nice to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me on. I just am going to be reminiscing about my birth now. 
That brings us to the end of the show, guys. I personally resonated deeply with the fact that Crystal had days of pre-labor, which is something I experienced with both of my births and also something I was not prepared for. Only after my births did I learn that it is actually just another variation of normal and so many women experience this. It's another great reason to never take anyone's story on as your own because birth looks differently for everyone and some of us just need a few days to warm up. Let me know what you think of today's show over on the PBA Instagram and I'll see you guys next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.